Hello, I'm Kenny Smith, and this is The Best Story I've Heard Today, a podcast for news junkies. We know you can't possibly see all of the great content being produced, so we're bringing you a story that you might have otherwise overlooked. Each episode's guest tells us about the best story they have found, and today we're pleased to welcome Jamie Zega, formerly the editor-in-chief of the Indiana Daily Student, the award-winning Indiana Daily Student, and soon-to-be of the Washington Post. Jamie, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Kenny. Tell us about this story you found today, and uh, let's talk about why the rest of us need to know about it. All right. So I found the story a few days ago, and I keep finding it over and over again because we're not stopping talking about it. Um, So the president used a vulgarity, a bad word, however an outlet chose to say it. Uh, And now rather than talk, they talked about that. And how each, you know, congressman is saying, oh, I heard him say it. Oh, I didn't hear him say it. And then we're still talking about, though, how the media has chosen to use that word. Um, specifically, the New York Times did a thing explaining why they chose to use the word shithole in their story. But in the push notification, they used vulgarity and they explored other ways that media outlets did it. The Pointer Institute did the same thing. Other media outlets have published their explanations for why they did or didn't use the word. And so I think it's kind of a really interesting look at how journalism – it's – it's as, as this is a podcast for news junkies. It's interesting to talk about decisions that the news is making or the media is making and how we're sharing our decision-making strategies with the public – it's really specific. <laughs> I think, yeah, this is interesting because it gets to, uh, on one hand, one hand, things that we talk about in classrooms and newsrooms about uh, uh, this new age of transparency that we are, are aspiring to in a lot, of, uh, a lot of institutions and newsrooms and so on and so forth. On the other hand, this is really an indicator of we have news people who were sort of caught flat-footed by this. How do you handle this? Because if a regular person at a bar says that, it's a person at a bar, but it's it's always news when a president speaks. And then how do we deal with that in our newsrooms, in our publications, our broadcasts, right? Right. So how are we dealing with that? Um, I think it's really, you know, you look from one media outlet to the other and you say like, yeah, I would do that if I were in their shoes or I would have done this if I were in their shoes. And I think knowing one's audience is really key in that. Uh, for example, when I was still editor at the IDS, um, you know, my decision on this, I would have run the full word. I wouldn't have, you know, censored it or anything or just said the president used a vulgarity. And like, um, because I know this is a college audience, we all use those words on a regular basis. Um, there were, yeah, there's actually, there's member, m- many members of the Bloomington community who read the IDS. But even so, you know, these are all words we've seen before. And it's I my personal ethos on that is if the word is being used for a reason, it's okay to run it in print. And in that case, we are directly quoting the, you know, objectively most like highest rated person in the United States um, or highest ranked, I should say. Uh, But then you kind of get to these subsects that we wouldn't have had to think about five years ago of, okay, well, we have it online as the full word. We might have it in print as the full word. But what about our push notification? Is that even something that was worthy of a push notification? Like <laughs> another ongoing debate in yeah, newsrooms. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, the president. Obviously, anything the president says is news. What, who, no matter who the president is, if he says something or she, one day, it'll be news. Um, 
But and then the fact that he said this, you know, at this point, objectively, a lot of journalists can say they're not really surprised by things he says anymore. They might be like shocking, but it's like, OK, he used a bad word. You get a sense in, in reading the the essentially what is now a TikTok of how he came to make these decisions from the Times or Pointer or what have you, that uh, there was a lot of agonizing about this in a newsroom. Or was this just an impulsive we're doing it or we're not doing it? I think more and more in this digital age, there's a lot of, you know, just we got to do it decisions that are being made. And I don't know if anyone has really come to regret the decision that they made. Uh, I'm sure that there I'm because, you know, this is the world we live in. I'm sure there's at least one or two people calling in to The New York Times and saying, like, how dare you, like, you know, the New York Times used to be a quality newspaper. And now you're using words like shithole on your, you know, in print. Um, and so that's interesting. And then, you know, we've been talking a lot about print, but what's another really interesting facet to this is how broadcast journalism has been handling mm-hmm. it, um, TV and radio. And that's, I, I think a lot of, that one really kind of goes across the board. Uh, You know, you have the people who said the word, but they said it once and they made a clear um, like forewarning at the beginning where and then you have CNN who has it on the lower third. They're saying it left and right. It's like I said, it kind of goes across the board there. Uh, So that's an interesting um, way to look at it. It, it is really intriguing to see how it's being handled differently in different mm-hmm. mediums and different outlets. Uh, in the in the early days, moments of this as a non-story story, CNN, for example, since you brought them up, uh, was just putting that in their graphics. The lower mm-hmm. third being the graphic that you mm-hmm. see at the bottom of the screen there, and there there was just the word. And then now later, it has been abbreviated with with other pieces of punctuation. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that? Personally, I don't know that I would have used the lower third to begin with um, to have the word on there like spelled out in full, uh, partially because you're already saying it out loud. You know, it's on the bottom of the screen. Um, and that's, you know, I news programs are flashing in waiting rooms across, like everywhere. You have kids watching news programs. I mean, as a kid, I grew up watching ABC. I didn't really watch CNN, but. ABC, NBC, I was watching at all times. And um, for kids, you know, old, old enough to know those words or even younger kids, I think it kind of says a lot when you hear, even if the kid isn't watching TV, you know, parent is watching it in the other room, you overhear, oh, the president used this word today. And that kind of sets the example that it's okay for the president to just refer to other countries in such demeaning ways, hear these swear words. But that aside, I don't know what kind of an example it's setting for a seven-year-old kid to think, oh, I think this country is full of people I don't like. It's an asshole country or whatever. To, to one of your points there, my final question for you, Jamie, is uh, has to do with agenda setting, which is this theory about how you know essentially the narrative is driven. And if we talk agenda setting here – do you put on your skeptic journalism hat for a moment and think maybe the president says something that is uh, abhorrent to a significant number of people or or atypical of a presidential point of view, and that's going to drive the next several news cycles, and therefore I win? That's an idea that gets bandied about, but is it viable here? When you're a local news organization, you know, if Todd Young um, 
comes and says, or well, we'll say Trey Hollingsworth because that's a smaller sphere of coverage. Trey Hollingsworth being a congressman in Indiana. Yes, ninth district. Um, If he were to say that he agreed with it or disagreed with it, that would still probably warrant coverage from Southern Indiana or whatever the official ninth district is. Um, You know, the IDS would do something. The Bloomington Herald Times would probably do something. So it's just kind of lagged on and lagged on as more people started talking about it. But at the same time, there's a lot of other things that need attention right now. So you you do think the tail's wagging the dog a bit here then? A little bit. Yeah. There's, like I said, there's always something else that needs more attention when it comes to the president and, you know, what he says. What he says about other countries definitely does because that is an issue of diplomacy. But we also have policy that is or isn't happening um, that still needs to be talked about. It's funny how quickly they figure that out. You can find Jamie's work online at IDSnews.com. That's the Indiana Daily Student, where she is the former editor-in-chief. And uh, you can also follow Jamie's uh, pontifications uh, on uh, (laughs) presidential ethics and and more on Twitter, uh, Jamie Ziga as well. Uh, We've got links to the story below. Please do check those out. Jamie, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Thank you, Kenny. This is the best story I've heard today. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll share it with others. And we hope Jamie comes back to take part again real soon as well. Thanks for listening. We look forward to sharing stories with you again very soon. I'm Kenny Smith.